This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Jin dobre, dear listeners. Jin dobre. And, and welcome to the Behold podcast. If you didn't know, that was a greeting, a hello in the Polish language. And the reason why that's relevant is because today here on the podcast, we have myself, Sean, and we have Dan, birthday boy Dan. We'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. And we have Mr. Pat Smith, who is preparing to be saying that frequently. Isn't that right, Pat? That is, among other things, that will be something we now, say. For the uninformed, why are you preparing to say that frequently? Because we'll be going to uh, Poland. Sheila and I will be going to Poland. Uh, we'll be with Tim Johnston when we go to Ukraine to help uh, some of the folks work with uh, Operation Safe, Op Safe, which deals with uh, families in trauma, and obviously that fits for Ukraine. Then we'll be going and visiting some of our global mission partners. Uh, we're planning to be in Romania and then back in uh, Ukraine, uh, in the southwest part of Ukraine. So that's, we've wow. got... Uh, that's not all the cities will be in, but it's the countries will be. And you're, we'll be working in. And you're bringing your golf clubs, right? Yeah, yeah. They're collapsible, so they actually <laughs> will will fit. Uh, I, I broke some. I broke some today. On the course today, so uh, so we're a little bit later recording the podcast this 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 fine Wednesday because Pat and I were out there on the links today trying to trying to hack away. We actually did. We actually did pretty good. I feel like, especially for you, you haven't played in a year or something like that. Yeah, and I couldn't keep track of my scorecard, so it doesn't bode well for me going overseas. Right. My, my favorite moment, though, was you know we're, we're all teeing off on on the first hole, and we hit some good, you know, hit a good shots, so, and we're, we're all feeling confident walking out on the fairway, and all of a sudden Pat's bag just the strap just gives out and the thing just hits the deck. It like disintegrated like the strap. So yeah, he classic. Run, he had to run back and get a push card. Yes. Any time that you play with somebody with a medic alert bracelet on you know you're in for a good afternoon it's, i mean it's just going to be one laugh after another well i'm glad you brought that up because uh, inquiring minds want to know so about uh a month or two ago maybe three months ago your eyeball fell out i, I believe <laughs> well, the whole thing yeah that's one picture of it but it's more like the retina detached so yeah yeah it's just that thing just yeah. gave out it was just like you know what i, I can't do this anymore yeah Yep. So you're uh, you're doing a lot better. Yes. But there's still some some prayer requests just along those lines, especially with, yeah. with uh, the the trip coming up. So do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. As far as the surgery and procedure that they did, they reattached the retina with a laser, but they had to put a a gas bubble in my eye to maintain the pressure on the retina until it it healed. And now it's serving no purpose, but it's just it's just kind of being reduced and going away. But I cannot. I got some gas bubbles like that <laughs> in your eye. No, let's not. Let's keep it up you there. You don't want details, I don't think. Good. And so uh, I can't go above three thousand feet. Okay. Or else uh, bad happen. Actually, when I read the medical alert, I didn't didn't read it for. Well, I couldn't read it because I. Couldn't see it. Uh, couldn't see the words. But uh, apparently I go blind if I go above 3,000 feet. Yeah, we don't feet. want to do that. So I don't think you can get all the way to Ukraine at 3,000 no, feet. No, it's, it's almost uh, gone. Uh, it just happens to be right. <laughs> it blocks out my vision right where the golf ball is. 
and uh, and so the depth perception, yeah, amazing. the depth percentage perception from six feet uh, above the ground uh, apparently isn't what it should hey, be. Hey man, but we all we all got our excuses. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what, I'm wearing this one <laughs> like a badge of honor. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, so for those of you that are the praying type, which is hopefully all of you, please, please pray for Pat's gas bubble. We want to see that thing go away in the next couple of weeks so that they don't have to push out their trip at all. And uh, so join us in praying for that. Yeah. Well, I was told uh, Sheila's going whether I go or not. Oh, that's So bad. just okay. me be chasing <laughs> Tim and, and Sheila across yeah. Ukraine on a train. Man, it's... Uh, I love the, I love the... You guys are just going for it, you know? You're, we should have had you on the podcast last week because that's when we talked about, you know, Jesus being homeless. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you guys are homeless right now. I feel like that would be a great... We are the people that we have ministered to for yeah. a few decades. <laughs> Although you're not supposed to stay homeless anymore. You're supposed to stay unhoused. Yeah, okay. Yeah, unhoused. Says who? I, I just heard it out I there. think uh, what we call it is much, much more apt, and that is couch surfing. You're, cou- you're the couch surfing yeah. missionary. Who hasn't done that yeah, exactly. in their yeah. career? Um, no, that's, man, we're, we're so excited for, for you guys to get back out there, and we know God is producing some great fruit, and, and I think just as— we get into today's podcast, we're going to, we'd love to hear some, some insights and just really how this, um, how you've been seeing, you know, these kingdom themes that we've been going over in Luke play out uh, over there, you know, on the other side of the world. So thanks for being with us. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a blessing. I was going to offer to fly you if you need it at 3000 feet. And I looked and it'd be a 44 hour flight. So sorry, buddy. I don't so, love you that much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you can tough. kick it up about 100, 120 miles an hour? Yeah, you could go about 130. Yeah. Oh, okay. For, yep, you know, that's about right. That's how hours. the math works for me. Oh, wow. Well, hey, we're glad that you guys are listening with us. Glad that you're choosing this chunk of time to just behold the Savior together, like we always say we, we like doing on this this time. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings at Valley Bible Church, then you will know that we are currently in the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. And a lot has happened, and we said this a couple weeks ago, but we just kind of crossed a major tipping point or pivot point in the book of Luke. And what I mean is that Jesus took a long time to do teachings and miracles and establish his ministry, and we saw a lot in that time. And he really kind of laid the foundation of our heart and just that that base of our humility before him being the most important thing, (laughs) the thing that the kingdom is most concerned with. But then now... Last week, two weeks ago, we saw that he turns his face towards Jerusalem, and now he's starting towards the end the end game of what's going to happen on the cross there. And as he does that, and then this week as he's begun on that journey now towards towards Jerusalem, there seems to be a shift in focus in, in Jesus's teachings and conversations. And it seems to be going from the, the beginning of his ministry, which is a lot more of just, here's what I want your heart to be in response to who I am. The Messiah, in my kingdom, right? In my kingdom, yeah. the message of my kingdom. And then now he's having all of these really specific moments and conversations and tasks that are addressing what is your life meant to look like here on earth because of that heart. You know, as he sent out the, the 12 previously and they returned and what we saw with the disciples after that, uh, he, he seems to be pointing at, okay, now that you know me <laughs> and now that we're heading on this path together, here's some of the things you're going to face and here's how I want you to live in the midst of, the, of those things. So specifically, we just dove into chapter 10 this last Sunday at the crossing. And like I said, Jesus had already sent out the 12. They returned. And this amazing thing happened after that with the transfiguration on the mountain, yada, yada. And we fast forward a little bit and a really similar pattern occurs. Jesus sends out 
not just 12, but 72 this time. And the same kind of thing, he sends them out with specific instructions about what their goals are meant to be while they're out, about how they're not supposed to, you know, take much of money and all kind of stuff with them, but just get out there and do the dang thing of proclaiming who I am. Mm. And and as they go and do that, as they come back, what we see is a couple things that Charlie really dove into too well. But um, I'll just list a couple of them and we'll dive into it together. But he he explains what, again, those tasks, what that goal is meant to look like for those who are going out for Jesus. But he says, as you do that, people are going to respond to you differently, right? Some people are going to embrace the word and hear it, and there's going to be a lot of fruit from that. But then also you're going to face rejection. You're going to face rejection, which as we get into it now today, as we try to take this you know, encounter, which it's, it's a narrative encounter. It's not like we're all being called to go into groups of 72 with, you know, no, no clothes in our back and go out there and, and everything. But still, as we look at that and apply it to our lives, it's like, okay, well, if this is the pattern that we see, what are the principles? Yeah. What are the principles Ooh. from yeah. this that we can apply to our lives? And certainly that's a major one that I think all of us are going to be dealing with until Jesus comes back, which is as we try to proclaim the kingdom of God in our lives, we're going to face rejection. It's going to be a mixed bag. And unfortunately, that reality is too uncomfortable for a lot of us, right? A lot of us are unwilling to to deal with that reality, and so the result is we just don't do it. <laughs> we, we don't we don't follow the command of proclaiming. And so, before we get too specific into that, I'll just open it up and uh, maybe just ask you, Pat and Dan, as you guys were listening on Sunday, what are some of the first things that you're thinking about? I'm sure these are familiar themes, but on Sunday at least, what are some of the the new ways or fresh ways that you're thinking about this whole going out and proclaiming idea? Well, you know, the first point that Charlie went to was the urgency of Jesus' mission requires a multiplication of his ministry. And that word urgency struck me because that's a term that I use because in the last seven years, I felt this sense of urgency since I, I retired, uh, that it's freed up time and there's a lot to, to get done. And I started to, to count the, the years, you know, average lifespan. It's like, man, I, I say I love God and I do. I, I, love, I love Jesus. So how am I going to show it? And at first, it's that sense of urgency of how many things can I do? What is? How do I fill my day? We were in Oakland at the at the time, as far as ministry, working with the the camps and and with city team, and it was okay. I want to fill that that time up. But when Charlie was going through this, it struck me uh, first why why don't we, all of us, have a sense of urgency if we don't, and why do we if we do? And, and we need to answer that question as to where we are. But I. I heard Charlie saying it's more of an attitude, this sense of, of urgency, of the opportunities that we do have, taking advantage of them. We don't necessarily have to create them because God is putting them before us uh, all the time. So, that that urgency isn't how fast I can move, mm. but it is one, an, an attitude of what I do with the time I have and then what Jesus talks about after that is the urgency means to multiply the people that are doing the task that he's set before us. And as you said, Sean, he goes from 12 to 72, and it it strikes me as he says the 72. You think of the people that were following him. At that point, people, thousands of people had, had heard him. But how many of them were actually trained like the disciples to go out and do it? But he just, he picked 72 that we 
you know, he's he knows who he, he wants there, but it's not like they had seminary degrees or... It's a motley crew, I would imagine. If he picked anything like the first 12, you're scratching your head of, yeah. are these really the guys you really? want? Yeah. But, but they haven't been listening to him for that long that you would think they've got this because they're still questioning many of them. Who is he? What is he doing? How, how does he do these things? Yeah. So that, that urgency is, a, to me, was a multiplication of the efforts of the people who are doing the work and not necessarily how fast that mm-hmm. we're going. And, and that that's helped me put things in, yeah. in perspective as I'm going through ministry and what Sheila and I are doing. Well, and even we saw in, in previous weeks that I mean, there's there's people that are that are you know working the the field, if you will, mm-hmm. like go with the harvest analogy. There's people that are out there casting out demons in Jesus's name that they don't they don't even know of these people. <laughs> and Jesus is like, that's okay. We'll take those guys too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it's 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 really humbling, and it it is at first blush maybe it seems like really God like this is your master plan you know, for, for your kingdom to come and for people to hear the good news of, uh, salvation and the gospel, you're going to use us. Like, do you know how weak and feeble and, mm-hmm. and, and timid and, and uneducated and whatever the list goes on and on and on. But we see God's economy is so different than what we'd expect. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he's, he's chose the foolish things to, to shame the wise in, in terms of the, the world's mindset in the world's perspective. He's cho- chosen the things that are not to, to shame the things that are, you know, and why did he do that? Paul makes it very clear. It, he did that because he wants there to be no question about where the power and the authority is. It lies with Jesus. And, and we're, if, if there's any good that happens as a result of our work, it, our labor with the harvest, it's going to because going to be because of the wisdom of God, and it's going to be because mm. of the power of God, so that we can't boast in our own credentials and our own our own you know um, wise speech or rhetoric yeah. or hey we're so clever and we're so we're so talented we're so wealthy and and we've got it all together. No, it's like it's like God's unfolding His kingdom using these completely unqualified people <laughs> and it's yes. and so that we can look back and say that was god mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah and it's the same holds true for us now right yeah and i think that, that that point of not leaning on our own wisdom and understanding and planning is really important when it comes to that conversation of urgency because oftentimes i think for most of us and not just when we're talking about the kingdom but just in general a, a lack of urgency when something should be urgent, it usually revolves around our lack of perspective around that thing. You know, like for example, Pat and Sheila, you guys sold your house recently, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure there was certain Saturdays where you were thinking like, oh, I could do some packing today or I could do this to get ready for that. And maybe we did or didn't. But then as that moving day approaches, the urgency is intensified. <laughs> if, you, if you're not aware of that date mm-hmm. and aware of that impending time, then you're not going to have that sense of urgency. Um, and that, that applies to so many things, you know. I think all of us have felt the the pain of having to catch up because we put something off because you didn't have that sense of urgency before, you know. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to this kind of stuff, I think there's just a base 
mode of living that the world really tries to put on us, which is exactly what you're describing again of just you lean on your own strength. You lean on your own wisdom, your own feelings, you know? And when we do that, it's easy to get into the trap of feeling like, yeah, we got we got time. We got lots of time, you know? I have my own little, whether I've really consciously thought it out or not, I got my own little life plan and there's time to do X, Y, or Z, you know, and I'll fit the kingdom into there somehow. But then what I think about when it comes to perspective is eternal perspective. And this reminds me of Thursday. I taught on Thursday and that was more so talking about worldly treasures versus heavenly treasures. But the exact same perspective issue applies where so many things just don't make sense if you're really having an eternal perspective, you Mm. know? And I think our time is one of them. The way we use our time because, you know, if we're only thinking of our lives as our lifespan here on earth, whatever it is, the 80, 90 years, hundred years, if you're lucky, then yeah, I get it. You know, take your time. You want to, you got so much to do. There's plenty of, you know, you got plenty of time. But then when you start zooming out here a little bit and we start broadening into the scope of eternity, it's just like, man, if, if we're talking about 500 years mm-hmm. of, of life, of relationship, of, of reality being affected by those 100 years or 90 years, and then keep zooming out. If we're talking about a thousand years, a thousand thousand years, right? And people's eternal lives being impacted. You keep zooming out here based on what you do in that tiny speck of that little lifespan. You know, how absurd is it to then not be using every second of that time that you can to glorify Jesus and to point people towards him, right? Yep. How, how ridiculous would it be then for us to be concerned, more concerned with our retirement and our careers and our stuff, whatever it is in that spec than we are concerned with spreading the gospel and loving people, yeah. right? And so one of the things that I've been thinking about this last couple of weeks because of that teaching is just, man, how often am I personally and then how often are we on just a real daily basis reminding ourselves, we're talking about forever here, we're talking about forever, and and like you said, this is all God's strength. It's not us being able to make things happen, but it's us being obedient. Right. It's us being obedient to, to help pour out that grace upon others. It's like, man, we're talking about someone's forever here based on my 20 minutes of conversation, or right. whatever that looks like. Like, how absurd would it be? And again, it goes back to perspective. So anyways, yeah, the sense of urgency is just that base that I think, because of that, motivates so many things. Like, whether it's these 72 going out, whether it's you guys going to Poland, or whatever the situation is, Usually it only makes sense because you do feel somewhere deep down, man, this is important and it's urgent and I got to be obedient, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the, whenever Jesus is, not whenever, but a lot of times when Jesus is talking about his kingdom, he uses these agricultural metaphors or parables or whatever. And it's, it's so perfect because to your point that we've been talking about is we we're responsible for the easy part, right? It's, it's easy to cultivate soil. It's easy to plant seeds. Um, it's, it's relatively easy to then go collect thing, collect the harvest, collect the crop. That's kind of the fun part, right? <laughs> you know, what's the hard thing in all of that equation in growing a crop is the growth part, <laughs> And actually, it doesn't matter how good of a farmer you are. It doesn't matter how how skilled you are and what resources you have. You cannot make your crop grow. And especially in parts of the world where there's not advanced irrigation or anything like that, you're completely dependent upon the rain. And you're dependent on the early and the late rains, as James talks about. You have to 
have faith and trust that God is going to produce that growth. Mm. And so I think sometimes maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't share our faith or we don't talk about the kingdom. We don't talk about Jesus with people is because we have this, you know, backwards understanding that we're the ones that are going to save this person or we're, we're the ones that are going to get them to sign on the dotted line and Hey, come on. And then it's like, I got more crowns in my crown Mm -hmm. or more jewels in my crown for heaven, you know, whatever. And it's like, no dude, like don't even think about that. It's just about being faithful and just, you know, sharing what you've experienced. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know. What do you guys think about that idea of just, I don't know, that picture of of a, of a harvest. I mean, what does that bring to mind? For yeah, I, I I picture without slighting a farmer who uh, who would say, "Well, I I work hard at it." I would use the term. Uh, it's fairly simple, straightforward. It's but it's hard work. That's true. And and so if we if we push that example over to uh, evangelism and and. As as Nate used the term, uh, gospeling in the previous week, how we're we're spreading the gospel that can that can be harder uh, as far as as the places, the time, and and that that time that can be a little uh, a little bit harder work. But but giving the gospel is pretty simple, and yeah. we practice it in so many different places in in, in VBC, whether it's uh, high school ministry, middle school ministry, Awana, uh, Sunday services. Charlie went through this week over at the Altamont of of how or no actually I think it was on the video yeah, how yeah. quickly in like four sentences here's here's the gospel very simple yeah uh, or here's my story right here's right. here's how the gospel has changed my life yes this is how I met Jesus and this is how he turned everything upside down and and yeah I mean that that can be really, really yeah, it, it can be emotional fearful you know, get in the way of some relationships. So, so that can be, that can be messy at times, but uh, what is the gospel? That should be a simple, straightforward Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sell right right there. Well, I know. hate to use the term sell, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Now I know, I know you guys have been doing a lot of, a lot of your work over there is is training leaders in the church Mm -hmm. and trying to, or making efforts to equip people to, to basically replicate themselves and, and, and help the church grow and, and be more effective in the, in that part of the world. And we were chatting earlier just about how, where you started is, hey, let's let's make sure we understand what, what is the gospel, and not only that, not only that we understand it, but we can communicate it yes. in, a, in a succinct way that is accurate. And I think one of the things that where we get lost in the church is we we get the gospel, we hear it, and it, maybe it, maybe it was, as t- it was as teenagers or it was later in life and you came to the Lord, but it, we can tend to have this mentality of like, okay, I got the gospel, what's next? <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we, we're quick to like move on from the gospel and maybe learn some of the, the deeper doctrine and things like that. And I, th- what I have found is so important is to to never move on from the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's at the center. It's at the core of everything we do. Because even as we pursue, 
you know, some deeper theological truths or, or we move on to doctrine, maybe that's, that is more advanced, let's say. If we don't have that gospel as our core, we can get sideways really, really quick. And you, you saw that happen to the church in Galatia. Mm-hmm. Paul's writing to them, hey, why did you, why did you leave the gospel? <laughs> why yes. did you move on from grace and, and add to it these, these different, you know, physical uh, outward, outward things to say that this has to be there too? And it's so easy for us, you know. So how have you been going at that? with your contacts that you've made in Poland and Ukraine and, and what's been maybe some of the challenges with that? Well, I think some of the, the challenge is the, to the culture and, and not that our culture doesn't have challenges as well, right? We, we all have it. The culture over there is um, monolithic religion that can lead to rote tradition and losing sense, to your point, losing sense of who Jesus is and what he's done. And I think when we get to that saving grace of, of knowing who Jesus is, yes, we can be saved. But to, if we're going to have a relationship with Christ, just like having a relationship with our wife, we need to know more about who he is to, to make that relationship grow. If we're going to do that, then we, I think we talked earlier about Peter's sermons in uh, Acts 2 and Acts 10, and he goes and says, this is who the prophets talked about. And we should understand that because they're going to talk about who he is and the suffering servant. And as we start to understand that more, then we can live that out. And, and I think it gives us more of the... Uh, that motivation to share with people because we start to realize how huge it was of what he's done. What did he put behind him when, yeah. when we look at, at that, how he's humbled himself. And if we sit in that and understand it, how can we not go and share that with somebody? It should not ever be like, well, this is what we're commanded to do. This is, hey, and, and I think the Great Commission says it, while you are going, Right, that that Amen. verb is while you are going. It's it's not that get up off your seat and go, but while you are going, here's what you do. It which should be a natural question of more. How do I do it, and how am I effective? Right. Than it is, uh, wow, I I have to get up and do it. Why do I need to do that? Sure, man. If if we're stuck in that, we need to go back to that relationship that mm. you talked about and get. And just get filled with with that. Behold him, as we've talked so many times uh, about in well, obviously this podcast, uh, but Nailed the it. whole the whole <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug. plug. No, it's good. That's what we need. It's, we we uh, check the box. Yeah, so please order it. the book uh, yeah, online from Amazon. But uh, but we should be looking for those opportunities, and and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Which is why I think when. Ukraine and Poland, those opportunities came up, and Sheila and I looked at where we've come from and how uh, God has uniquely prepared us for the different situations we're going to encounter, whether it's bombed out buildings. It's like, well, how different is that than some parts of Oakland? Broken people got that high amount of alcohol and drug addiction, Mm. got it. Uh, and in that opportunity, it's like okay, let's like let's go. Mm-hmm. No it's it's nothing. I You've I almost feel it. yeah. I almost yeah. feel bad of people say hey, this, you know, 
kind of compliment you. What it's what else would I do? You know, they say like, where where would we go? <laughs> are you going to leave me too? Well, what, where are we going to get eternal life from if if not for you? So it's a, a pretty natural step, and I think that's a, very much a confidence builder to know you're in God's will when it just presents that to you, and you look and say, this this just makes sense. And I love that you present it just from that foundation of just, it's, it's relational. It's relational mm-hmm. between you and Jesus. And because of that, you're motivated to accept the cost, you know? Mm-hmm. And we only got to count the cost, but it's almost like, it reminds me of like, if you, we all are married and we love our brides a lot. It's almost like if you find a woman in your life or a man, whoever's listening, who you, they're, they're amazing. And they're, they're, everything about them is amazing. And they're, perfectly loving and kind to you and faithful to you and all those things. And it's like, okay, some of us have broken families or relationships and like I can relate to this a little bit. And maybe in your situation, you know, when I present this person to my family, I might receive some flack for it because of their own stuff, you know? Right. But it's like, it's not even a question. I love this person so much more than I'm concerned with that flack. It's so worth that cost, you know? And it often comes down to that with us and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Saying, I, this is my love for this person is so much more than I'm worried about this stuff. And it's even better than that because not only is it I love them, but it's you're going to love them too. I want you to love them too yeah, for your own yeah. life. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think just thinking about it again of not just this, oh, well, the church told me I have to give my perfect two minute testimony. So, I got to do it. But <laughs> right. just no, it's, it's I love Jesus. And so, because of that, I want to share Jesus, right? Yeah. And so, that should be our starting point. Because I, I know for me, I mean, this was very convicting. This whole, this past few weeks have just been, just helping me understand that I'm not making the most of every opportunity. That, that I'm, I think I, for a variety of reasons, you know, whether it's fear of rejection or it's physical exhaustion or it's, you know, maybe my priorities are out of whack. There's plenty of opportunities that I don't take advantage of. Mm. <laughs> and, and we definitely want to have practical training. And, and Charlie did a great job of, of giving us some ideas. And I think we're going to talk about them, you know, pretty quickly here and just to give you guys some things to think about. But it has to start, like you said, with love. And so that's what I've really been focusing on is like just delighting and loving God. You know, just looking at the glory of God in the face of Christ, focusing on how merciful and gracious my father is staying in step with the spirit, you know, through worship and prayer and, and, and then the, it'll be an overflow, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I won't be able to help myself tell people about, you know, it's like, just like anything. If you, if you, if you found a new boba place that you're like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Or, or you tasted this amazing burrito that you, you know, blew, blew your mind. You're like, you want to tell everybody about it. Right. Yeah. Or, or you you found this show on Netflix that you're just digging, like, you know, you can't stop. And so it's just like, that's the, that's what we want to do. We want to just overflow. And Pat, you said something great earlier offline. The, 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 what did you say about the great command? Yeah. The great, the great commandment, if we love God and love others, goes into the great commission. We really have no choice. Right. Exactly. It'll just kind of, so, so I don't know. I think before because we love, I don't know, we love to give ourselves tasks and and goals. And I don't know, I feel like in the Western world, we're very like systematic and we mm. like lists and things like that. 
and those aren't bad so long as we're starting from the right foundation and the right heart motive and posture. So I, th- that's what be that's what I'm focused on is like I'm just going to really just develop the relational love that I have for God and for people and then add to that some of these practical things. Yep. Amen. Now, speaking of those practical things, um, yeah. you know, with that foundation, we do have some ideas. If you're in that boat of like, no, I do love Jesus. I hear what you're saying, but I just feel like I don't have enough tools to really communicate that well. We got some ideas for it. I think Dan has been working on some stuff recently with Quest regarding that. Yeah. So we are doing, and by we, I mean, it's the royal we. <laughs> our, our Quest leadership team is going through a training on evangelism. And so it's really been dovetailing well. And we've taken a lot from the work of this awesome brother in Christ, Sam Chan. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's a, he's an author, speaker. He's big into apologetics and um, just a, an amazing theologian. And he really talks a lot about evangelism. And so we're, we've taken a lot from his works and we put and Jason's put together this training that we're going through as a, as a quest leadership team. And it's been super, super helpful. And, you know, one of the things that um, has shifted in in our lifetimes, I think, I don't know if you remember the Billy Graham kind of movement, which basically was this type of evangelism that was very effective at the time that was kind of an events-based evangelistic approach. Hey, just get your unsaved coworkers and friends and neighbors and family members, get them to this event and someone really talented and gifted like Billy Graham will share with them the gospel and they'll respond. And, and we saw many, many people come into the kingdom that way. You, you guys agree? Yeah. Yes. But what Sam Chan is arguing and we've been looking at is the way that the society and culture has moved is people that's not effective anymore. <laughs> That's not effective like it used to be. It, it, we've we've moved from, you know, in the last 50 years, about 1% of people trusting Christ fr- from events-based stuff to, to 99% being uh, basically relational evangelism. So it's about going out and, and building, making connections with people and making disciples that way. So it's... So that's been one of the things. And, and then with that, it's moved from a monologue to a conversation. And so one of the things that I think has been really helpful is just the art of, of good questions. <laughs> and I'd love for us to maybe just kick that around, how, how we've seen that, that play out. Basically, Sam Chan makes, has this, this theory of like, it's all about the nudge. It's all about getting to the next level in the conversation. So the way he sees it kind of work out is it starts out with small talk, right? And then you kind of ask a nudge question that maybe gets into their interests. So what makes them tick? What do they like to do for fun, right? And then you ask another nudge question that gets them into their values. So what do they think is important, right? What do they kind of um, spend their time and money on? How, How do they invest their life? And then the the last nudge question is to, gets them into their worldview and and then from there it's a really easy conversation to get to the gospel or to even just talk about your worldview right mm-hmm. and so you know i would love to hear 
like what you guys, how you guys utilize the power of question and what are some good ways? Um, you know, a simple thing that I've been trying out is, you know, just the power of the do you, second. Do you know you're going to hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably don't want to start right out with that, that, that one. Yeah. But, but, you know, the power of like a, like a question, a second question, right? So, you know, one of the examples we used in the training is, let's say your, your neighbor went home to visit family for on a summer vacation. And um, the first question might be, oh, how, how'd that go? You know? And they're like, oh, you know, it was good. People usually give you like a, a surface level, you know, um, kind of pat answer when you ask a question that like that. But even something as simple as like, how did it really go? <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, right? And there's a lot of different ways you can you can kind of spin that off. Maybe maybe you you know from previous conversations that there's a broken marriage in the in the family. Hey, how did it go? You know, I know you guys got a blended family. Like, how, what are how are all the relational dynamics? You know, mm-hmm. and then from there you can you can kind of ask those nudge questions and get to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. So that's that's kind of one thought. But I would love for us to just talk about questions. How have you guys utilized that? in terms of evangelism and what have you guys found to be effective, you know, as you've learned to harness the power of the question? Yeah. Well, I think I, it's actually perfect because I was going to bring up a tool that I often use in conversation that hasn't been specific for evangelism, but it kind of digs at some of those things of like getting there. Yeah. But then recently I realized actually this could totally just become that just a little couple of tweaks. And I'll tell you, and this is a this goes back years and years and years for salespeople, but they'll talk about this acronym called Ford. Have you guys heard of this? No, I haven't. The Ford acronym. If you're ever in, in small talk, and you know, we all know it's like sometimes people you just it's easy to make small talk, it's organic. Sometimes you really gotta like pull teeth to make small talk with someone. And when you're in those moments, then you can pull the Ford acronym out. And this is probably more for if you're talking about evangelism, this is probably more for the 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 setting where you're not like years-long friends. You don't know them as well. It's more of like I'm trying to be a light to someone who I'm not as deep with yet. Yeah. And so you can use the Ford acronym first just to get going, and I'll tell you the acronym. It's F-O-R-D, and the F is family. And so that would look something like, oh, like what does your family look like? You got kids, you have siblings, that kind of thing, parents. The O would be occupation, which we all know we love asking. about. like, oh, right. what do you do for work? Yeah, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, the R is recreation. So, oh, what do you do for fun? How do you spend your time, Pat? Breaking golf clubs, apparently. <laughs> uh, and then the D is dreams, which is kind of aspirations. Like, oh, you have any things you're looking forward to or trips coming up, um, that kind of stuff. And I have probably used that a thousand times in my life you know, in, in so conversations. Yeah. Uh, and just naturally, one of those four categories, that person's going to care a lot about. And so it'll branch into further conversations, you know. But then recently I was like, man, that those same four things could so easily be twisted to become kingdom focused questions. You know, for example, the F for family. Oh, what's family like? And as you ask that, it, usually people, unless they're like just a doornail, usually they, they respond to you. Oh, what about your family? You know, and it's so easy to tell someone, oh, well, I have one sister, but actually I got a huge family that I consider family that aren't. And as you get into that, I'm talking about a church family. You know, yeah, that's about, so good. About my brothers and sisters that I, there are close people in my life I'm not related to. And that kind of sentence usually provokes questions. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. The closest people in your life that you call family aren't actually your blood family. You know what I mean? 
So the F for, for church family is super easy. The O, oh, what do you do for work? Uh, oh, well, this is what I do for money, but my favorite work is actually unpaid, and this is what it looks like. I serve in these ministries, you know, or I do mm, this for this kind of cool. people. Uh, the R, same thing for recreation. What do you do for fun? Well, my favorite thing for fun is fellowshipping with these people doing this kind of thing. Or, oh, I just recently went to this fun ministry event, or I went to this camp, or I went to the knob, or whatever it is. Yeah. So many, hopefully, the, in the life of Christ, we have a plethora of fun things with our brothers and sisters to pull from, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just went golfing with this guy from our church that I love, you know, that kind of stuff. That's cool. Dreams and aspirations. I mean, obviously that's an easy one to, if you want to really drop a bomb on them, what are you looking forward to in life? I'm looking forward to Jesus coming back, <laughs> you know? I'm looking forward to my own death. I want to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or I'm looking forward to X, Y, Z and insert your kingdom thing. I mean, we of all people should have the quickest response as far as promises and hopes that we're really looking forward to. They're, so they're deep things, you know? So I'm challenging myself to use the Ford acronym in a kingdom way. But for those of you listening to Ford, there you go. That's good. And, and they're so flexible too because you – you know, let's say you're in an Uber and you've got 10 minutes to your destination. I mean, you could just jump right to the D, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, tell, tell me, like, what are, you, what are your dreams? You know, are you, are you um, hoping to do Uber, like, long-term? Or, like, what, what's next for you? Like, what do you hope to achieve, you know? Yep. So it's – or if you have, if you have four hours on, the, on a golf course, you could do – you could run through the whole acronym, you yep. know? And, you know, what is challenging about that, too, though, is I've found – just in talking to random strangers, it seems like in the last few years, people are less reciprocal on questions. Have you noticed that? I don't know what if it's like a COVID thing or whatever, or people are just not as open. So I don't know. How do you deal with those challenges? You know, like, do you just force your way in there? Like, because I've, I've had conversations with people where, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like golf so much is because you get paired up with random people that yes. you've never met before and you probably never see them again. So it's like, hey... <laughs> I just, I, I'll, I'll talk to him about Jesus. Like, you know, but I'll, I'll ask them a question like that. And then they often don't reciprocate. So then I just, I've just kind of wedge myself in there, you know, but I don't know. What, yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it speaks to what you said earlier of just the statistics about most people come to know Jesus relationally now. So at the end of the day, we're not going to, God's going to pick and choose. The Holy Spirit's going to ordain like which of the people he's really going to allow right, us to have right. a relationship with and, and invest in that way. And it's not going to be everybody. So yeah. Then, yeah, it's okay if they like, just like the 72, some people are just going to reject you and that's okay. That's, that's not your responsibility to yeah. have to dive in necessarily, but for sure, if you can, you feel called to be bold, like you get after it. Yeah. I, as I'm listening to you talk, I have two thoughts that come to mind. I hope I can remember both of them. <laughs> the, if not, we'll vamp. We'll get you. Hey, we'll add an M to the four. What's medically wrong with you at the moment? These podcasts can get real short real quick. Uh, one is that that is great for people who don't really know how to go through a conversation like that to lead to the gospel. Right? And, and so it's it's real good. On the other hand, I think that is so Western and not a natural flow because for me, I guess as I'm thinking, I kind of go through those anyway, so it's it's more natural. So on the one hand, it's like, oh, I hate to be formulaic. And on the other hand, I think, oh, that's so good for, for people that haven't thought it through uh, sometimes because you're, you're hitting those, those things. And 
I typically, when I'm asking questions, I'm always sensing how far is this person letting me go into that? How intimate is this person allowing me to be with them? How open are they, basically? Are you scared of intimacy, Dan? Is that not a good word for you? You want to use open? Okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> well, it's it's like it's like reeling a fish. It's like how how hard can you tug right now? Yeah, you know? I mean, because what is it? What is it really? Who was I talking to? I was talking to to Nate uh, the other day, and it was it was so good because we were talking about things like relationships and inviting people into your life, and and there's that sense sometimes that people get and that we actually have of. I'm doing this, but ultimately, I want to give you the gospel. I want to get you to my side. And we lose that relationship. And what we're really doing is trying to build the bridge and love them. Yeah, I really want to show you love because that is going to, and, and you hit it on the head, Dan, when you said, God is going to give us the growth. Yeah, We're responsible pro- for providing an environment to whatever extent that we can with the time that we have yeah. and the person allows to to do that. And and I think when we put that goal, that expectation, that checkbox of, and we do it to ourselves, you know, go out this week and share the gospel with one person. What, yeah, yeah. And you're like, uh-oh, how am I going to, and, and the, yeah, yeah. the poor bagger at Safeway is, you Just know, going to get, get unloaded up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so to your yeah. point, uh, Sean, do you know where you're going when you die? How do you feel yeah. about hell? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so it's, it's that well, relational thing. And I think that uh, Ford can help that if we are looking to really show love and the fruit of what God has has done. And then to whatever degree their response is, we, we go with that. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. Sheila and I were getting um, new phones. We, we got them for nothing. They, they upgraded us for, for, for phones. It's you know, it like, okay, we'll do that. And the guy <laughs> who was there randomly asked us a question of, what do you think of this company called NVIDIA? I don't know, I've heard a little bit about it. And, and he, he said, well, I'm thinking of investing in them. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a pyramid scheme. Oh, <laughs> you gotcha. know, he's ready to, to, not only, you got a free phone, but that money, you know, yeah. $1,000 you were going to spend. Let me share with you about an opportunity people are talking about. And he, and he was just asking us, and, and Sheila's so good at this, in shaping those conversations yeah. around and asking why. And Ultimately, and I think for the ministry that we've done, I always am looking for that pain point. What is it in their life that that they're struggling with? And to your point, you family, yeah. and and then what can I? And ultimately, if they allow me to, it's going. Jesus is going to be the answer in yeah. in some yeah. form or fashion. And we wound up in the middle of uh, Costco. <laughs> Praying for you know, said, I think she'll. Can we pray for you? Because then we found out his family was over here from Afghanistan, and we talked about uh, Sacramento, and he thought that was so great, and and he's talking about some of the struggles he had with his his family, and all this stuff was organic. That so just good. I you know, hate to use that word sometimes, but it really just flowed out. But the key was, and not, we didn't slam him with the gospel, but guess where I've gone back. Twice. (laughs) I'm having trouble with my phone or whatever. Yeah. No, but you know what's great about that? And this is honestly a struggle for me is 
So all you guys did was you you took the time to show that you cared for somebody. Yeah. And I think for me, I like to I like to think that I'm just sometimes I don't do that because I've, I'm too busy. I'm just off to the next thing, off to the next thing. And yeah, I, I think slowing down, um, it makes me think of one of these, one of the other things that we've been training our, you know, our team with on evangelism is to become the de facto chaplain in people's lives. So whether it's the parents on your kid's sports team whether it's the teacher at your kid's school, uh, the the phone guy at, at Costco, you know, how, so what does a chaplain do, right? A chaplain is an important figure, a spiritual guide, someone, someone that you know you can go to when stuff hits the fan, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, the, Sam, Sam Chan breaks down these four different roles of a chaplain, and I think they're really good for us to think about. So role one is it starts with a genuine curiosity. So that's kind of like what you were talking about, Pat, is mm-hmm. I, I want to find out how can I serve this person? What are their needs? What what makes them tick? What what keeps them up at night? What are their pain points and their struggles, right? So just having a, a curiosity about people, we want to learn their story. We want to see what they're all about, right? And then secondly is is communicating that you understand. So that you you have that empathy and compassion that you do. I mean, this is what Jesus did. He the 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 kingdom of heaven is incarnational. Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He said, "I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna come and suffer alongside you guys, and that's how that's how I'm gonna redeem and rescue you." You so entering into people's mess through understanding, mm-hmm. and then step three is. Providing wisdom. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to my unsaved friends or or people and and things that are so obvious and plain to me from like the wisdom from above, like James talks about. It when I share that with them, they're like, wow, like I've never thought about it that way. Right? It's it's not of it's wisdom that's not of this world. And if we share that with people, it will be a stark contrast. And and it'll mm-hmm. they will notice, hey, this person kind of has some stuff figured out. Like I'm gonna go talk to them again, <laughs> right? So you start to be their go-to person when they have a, an issue or a question, right? And then step number four is is prayer. And you know sometimes I think it's pretty bold to ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you right now? And you might get less people saying yes to that rather than offering to pray for them later hmm. on your own. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying both one's bad, one's, one's, one's good, but I, I think the the second one gives you a higher percentage of an affirmative answer, right? If I say, Hey, Hey Pat, can I, or Uber guy, whatever, can I pray for you right now? He might be like, eh, I'm good. I'm good. But if I, if I tell him, Hey, right before I go to bed every night, I spent some time in prayer, just talking to my heavenly father. And I've seen some amazing things happen as a result of, of just honest, humble prayers. Is there anything I can pray for you mm-hmm. about tonight as I, as I'm going to sleep? Mm. I, who's going to say no to that? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the big thing he's that Sam Sam Chan is he's he's big on is then follow up. Yeah. So wait a couple of days, wait a week, whatever. Go back to the Costco guy and see. Hey, I was praying for that that situation um, with your family. How, how did that pan out? Or hey, you uh, you told me that your 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 back was was bothering you. Like I, I was praying. Like what's the update on that? You know, through a text or through a visit or a phone call or whatever that can have profound impacts and it can really position you to be the de facto chaplain in their life. Yeah. I, I need for that follow-up. I, at this point, I need uh, my phone for list and reminders, uh, but no excuse. Uh, we have the, the technology. I'll have to say, and I don't know if it was just the people that we were ministering to, but when we were in Oakland in the tent cities, the encampments, I never had somebody who refused or did not want prayer when I offered it. Right then at, and there, even. Right then and there. That's now, again, cool. circumstances a little bit dire. Sure. Uh, but I I was surprised, you know, as, as we went through it, and we were with John, Jonathan Adeboye, our mission partner from Nigeria, going around the, the tent cities one day. And the one guy who initially refused prayer uh, said now he was, and the reason was he was so dejected with the church from his his past, and he felt so low about himself that like he didn't deserve prayer, oh. and and I I kind of mixed in with what you said. I said okay, no problem. I said we're going to pray for you yeah. right now, whether you want to or not. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I'm good with that. But just so you know. We're going to just step over here and we're going to pray. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll pray with you. Nice. So I, so I like what, over, yeah. yeah, so I would, I would uh, just fold into that. Maybe use that even as a second chance. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to pray for you anyway tonight, uh, but I could still pray for you now if you want to, but I'm going to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I don't know many people that would, don't you dare. Yeah, don't you dare. <laughs> Evoke the name. I'm going to. I swear. I'm going to do it right now. So, yeah, that's good. What do you think, Sean, about that idea of like becoming the de facto chaplain yeah. for, our, for our people? Well, I think like what, as you're talking, I think, and both you're talking, at the end of the day, what it really just comes down to is people are not dumb, you know, and they can mm. sense whether or not you care about them. And really what all of this keeps pointing back to is just, do you have a genuine love for this person or not? Yeah. You know, cause if you do, then it'll, it'll, they'll sense that and it'll come through and, and all these things are influenced by that. And, you know, am I going to set a reminder to follow up with that person to do it or because I really love this person and care about what they're talking about, what they're going through, you know, mm. it just to, as you're talking about Francis Chan, I mean, this is not a Francis Chan behold or beholding Jesus, but just to affirm him you know, we have a, there's an example of someone in our church, someone from VBC who is going through a really hard thing and they just happened to bump into Francis Chan in a parking lot, right? And Francis prayed for them. And then a few days later, like somehow I got in touch and reached out. Like, yeah, I've been praying for you. Give me an update on what's going on. That's and cool. he invited them over to their house for dinner and all this kind of stuff. This is this whole thing of just clearly like the dude cares, you know? And that's, yeah. that's the charge is don't, it's not just like, oh, set your reminders and be good. But she's like, man, do, do you genuinely love and care this for this person or not? Because if you do, then yeah, it, you'll be motivated to follow up. You'll yeah. be motivated to be that person in their life who you're constantly being that source of prayer and encouragement. 
to be motivated to ask those hard questions, even if you might face a little bit of rejection. You know, that's what it really boils down to is, is I love you and I love the future that could be ahead of you more than I hate the rejection. Yeah. You know, and this will be maybe my last thing, but I think this is why we're reminded in Hebrews to, to run with endurance in these moments that we're talking about looking to Jesus who exact same process, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame of it. Right. So it's like Jesus, he, he, he saw what was ahead through what was going to be happening. And the same implications there that he loved that he saw the joy in that and valued that more than he despised the shame of the cross. And so he was willing to go through it. And if he's willing to do that, then man, we can be despised in a conversation. <laughs> you know what I if, mean? If we can stick on that follow-up for a second, and we have a VBC example of that, another one, because I think of, of uh, Tim Johnston, who has gone back to both the ministry on the border called Slot on the Border, as well as the church in, in Kiev with Sergei. And he's gone back. And when he came back, one time was the reason that the Chill and I started going over there because he said the people were so appreciative. It's not, we didn't open air uh, gospel uh, over there. Tim didn't just preach, you know, Christ saved, and that's going to alleviate all of your suffering. He there is there and cared for them. And I, I just remember if somebody hits their uh, thumb with a hammer, mm. they're not going to listen to you about Jesus until their thumb is, is yeah. better. So, we're caring for them. And obviously, the reason if they ask, we have a, a reason for the hope that we have. But then going back, and as we've gone back there, over the people are are whether they're the, the saved that we have or the unsaved that we're seeing in uh, some of the people in Kiev, they're just overwhelmed with the love because they don't feel like they do. They don't feel like they have anything to give back and we're not asking for anything. Yeah. And, and so it's a tremendous reaction that we get when we are just there. It's an expression of our love for Christ that is being shown to them and to to get back and now you have social media so we're able to uh to communicate with some of the the folks and and it's tremendous to to be able to do that but it's it's not easy as far as the follow especially for some of us that get distracted amen yeah it's not easy it's simple it's simple, very simple right <laughs> it's a checklist <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i and i i just want to make sure that um, it's not getting lost in the conversation that we we understand that there are real barriers for people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's the fear and, and the rejection, and there is a potential cost of social status, or maybe you don't get that promotion, or maybe you you could even your job could be in danger. Or I know that there's people in our church family who have come out of other, you know, other religions or cults and them, you know, proclaiming Christ means their family rejects them or, or I understand that there's real anxiety and, and social pressures and that, yeah, these things, these things, uh, we all struggle with, you know, and, um, we want to be compassionate towards that, but also, 
help encourage and and equip and build up to say, hey, we can overcome these things and we have to overcome these things. Hey, we're 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 it. We're the plan A. <laughs> and there's no plan B. This is how God has chosen to unfold his kingdom and to make the his manifold wisdom known to not only the world but to the spiritual forces in the unseen realm. He chose his church, his his bride, his his people to carry this message forward. And if we don't, if we're not faithful, the world will will not know. Yeah. So Amen. All right, guys. Well, hopefully not just convicted, but hopefully you're stirred up and encouraged to to go out there and get it and just be a part of, again, communicating, pointing towards, participating in just the love you have for Jesus. Um, And hopefully we're a church family that can stir each other up in that way. One of the ways you can help be supporting Pat and Sheila is through prayer, of course. So be praying continually for the next couple months for that bubble to go away and then provided that happens for just opportunities and fruit to do exactly what we're talking about today uh, across the ocean in Poland. Yeah, if people want to keep up with us, we've got uh, a sign-up sheet out in front of the, the church uh, this Sunday and probably ongoing. We'll we'll get somebody to get us the, uh, the names of anybody that signs up for that. And we should have a blog on the website as well that we'll be uh, updating as we change cities uh, one two, three, four, five, six, six or seven times in, okay. in nine weeks. So we'll be giving updates as we arrive and, and leave. Great. At least we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> and if you uh, are not going to be at our, our campuses the next couple of weeks, you can always email uh, admin at vbc.online to be added to that. I'm sure that's probably the best way to, to, to just, and just say, Hey, I want to get on Pat and Sheila's newsletter. Here's my email address. Yep, we'll get that. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for being here with us, Pat, today. And, and thanks for just you and Sheila, your faithfulness to, to, to get out there and, and, and do, do what, exactly what we've been talking about. So, and thank you listeners for listening. Enough said. All right, guys. See you all on Sunday and uh, next week for Behold again. Narajit. Oh, fancy. Peace. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.